to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise your holy and righteous name. Yeah, yeah. Be exalted, O Lord. Hallelujah. The tables of our hearts and the tables of our mind. I'm going to read from Colossians 1 and 15. Just to show the awesomeness, awesomeness of this God that we serve. He reigns. We're talking about Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things were created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence hallelujah and that in all things he may be first in all things. So the word constantly uh, brings to mind that the God that we serve, he has preeminence in all things. Hallelujah. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And I have come here tonight to once again declare that, to put the body of Christ, to put the people of God, that the God that we serve is not a mistake. He was ordained and orchestrated from the foundations of this world. And the, the word that I'm bringing tonight is called Jesus and the finished work. So the Bible, it opens up with a picture of a family, right? You got Adam and Eve and they produce and they had offspring and it's ending with a family you got Mary you got Jesus and you got Joseph right but what makes it dynamic and in the background you got a villain he's an ugly guy his name is Satan or Lucifer right he's a fallen angel he was cast down to earth and since he's been here, he's been giving us trouble ever since he arrived. Amen? Amen. Been involved with families, trying to break up the families, creating strongholds against the family, against the woman, woman against the man, child against mother and father. And we wonder, wow, doesn't anybody stick together today? 
Why? Because we have an adversary. We've had an adversary. The Bible calls him the man of sin. The dragon. The great deceiver, prince of the power of the air. In our midst. But Jesus, our redeemer. And his finished work. We're going to understand why we have victory now and forever because of what Jesus has done. Amen. We're talking about tonight his finished work. Once and for all, it's complete. And because he has a finished work, I'm complete. You're complete. I'm sealed in the book of life tonight because of Messiah's finished work. You're sealed in the Lamb's book of life because of his finished work. What he did 2,000 years ago was so powerful. It would last through the annals of time and even forevermore. Amen. What he did on the cross of Calvary, many people think they scoff at that. Man, are you serious? Why would God do something so silly? But to us who have been redeemed, it's the power of God. It's the power of God. And you know what? Nothing, no one, or anything does not supersede the power of God. Cancer can't do it. Leukemia can't do it. Poverty, racism, hatred, disease, variant, strife, adultery, fornication can't supersede. Can't override God's power, God's dunamis, God's anointing. God's anointed one whom we serve. Amen. He's a living God. He came to earth. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Is that he came to earth as a baby? Can you imagine the humility of having to become a baby again? And then be scourged by your enemies? The same hands that, that, that you created and you cared for and you breathed your very life into? You have to be scourged by their sin. God wanted to do it. No, God did not want to do it. He was trying to get out of it. Remember him in the garden? Father, if there be any other way, please let this cup pass before me. If there's any other way. But nevertheless, Father, not my will be done. Let thine will be done on earth. Amen. And that's what Pastor Tom has been so graciously preaching us, preaching to us day in and day out is the kingdom of God coming to this earth. Because what God intended from the very beginning, which is for man to have dominion in the earth and to rule and to reign cannot fail. God's power cannot fail. 
That's why I don't like to say God cannot. God cannot. I'd rather say what the scripture says is anything too hard for the Lord. Like he said it is anything too hard. Nothing is too difficult for God because God cannot fail. God cannot lie. God cannot go back on his promise. God cannot be defeated. Are you hearing me? We serve a God that has not been defeated, never will be defeated, knows, knows, knows no defeat. That's what all those kingdoms, those kingdoms that, that we see rise and fall. The scripture talks about it in Daniel and we've seen it. You know, every kingdom, I'm sorry. Every, I, no, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry for telling the truth. Kingdoms that rise up against Israel will fall. Doesn't make it any it doesn't make any difference about my opinion, your opinion. God has blessed it. He's separated that nation for a purpose. He says it's his. And in my humble estimation, I'm going to honor whatever God's God honors. Amen. I want to respect it regardless to whether I agree with their political endeavors and stuff. We all got to work some things out. The scripture tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. Because we serve, we really serve a holy God. Amen. We serve a holy God. And he's, get, he's emptied out all of heaven. He, he's put all of heaven's resources at our feet and at the death of the cross with our Savior and our Redeemer of mankind. And there's many people think that there's many Redeemers. There's many saviors. There's many ways. But the Bible begs to differ. There's not many ways. There's not many saviors. There's not many redeemers. It says that as by one man in Romans chapter 5, since sin entered into the world, so shall eternal life be given by one man, which is Jesus Christ. He was the only one that could redeem us. He had to be holy. He had to be sanctified. He had to be set apart. He had to be without sin. He had to be born in Bethlehem. He had to be born of a virgin. He was the only one that could redeem us. And he was the son of God. And he was the first begotten of God. And he was the first raised to life. Amen. Uh, I want to put Hebrews 12 and 2 up there. Hebrews 12 and 2. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, sound team. I appreciate you all. God wants me to do a good job on this right here. I got quite a few scriptures, but this one scripture may echo in your ear all night, hopefully all week, until we see Pastor Tom again. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who endured who for the joy set before him, I'm sorry, I'm messing this up. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. So our Savior now is set. He's resting. He's not stressed. He's at peace. Because what he did on earth, it was finished. It was a done deal. So now he's at rest. He's not stressing because he's too blessed. Amen. How many of you are too blessed to be stressed? Right. So. It's the truth. We shouldn't be stressed. About anything. Because our savior, our Lord is at rest. He really is. And he's seated most of the time. He's seated. He's in a place, place of uh, rulership now. Because the work that he's came to do has been done. Our salvation is complete. Our righteousness is complete. All we have to do is just enjoy everything and walk everything out. Some of you, many of you tonight are, are stressed because you're out of fellowship with God. Amen. If you know, if you know that you're stressed, then you got to go to God and, and ask him, what do I need to do, Lord, to make this right? You got you to gotta mend that relationship. We have to mend our relationship with the Lord when we acknowledge that we're not experiencing as much peace as we ought to experience in our life. I mean, a peace that passes all understanding. You know what I'm talking about? Instead of interruptions and uh, distractions and, uh, you know, heart, heart palpitations and all that kind of stuff. You got to slow down and, and hear what God would have us to do. So we got we to gotta keep that fellowship with God. Keep that communication with God open. And then acknowledge and carry out what he's saying to do. Amen? And I want to be quick to acknowledge where I'm wrong. Every, every, every day, now my wife may have a different opinion, but every day I really try to acknowledge where I'm, I'm missing the mark. Amen? And you know what? I'm going to be sensitive to what my wife says because her opinion means a lot to me. Okay? That means a lot to me. That's my love right there. And the scripture also says that if you have aught with your brother or your wife, right? It means the same thing, the person you're in love with, your brothers, if you have aught, if you have a difference or, or a disagreement, Lay your gift down at the altar and go and make things right with them. Okay? A lot of preachers get in trouble because they keep preaching. Um, you know, stay in ministry and things aren't right at home. Amen? So God is a God of order. And that's part of what I want to talk about tonight. The finished work is that we don't have to worry about our sins, our, short, our shortcomings, our inadequacies. God has taken care of it, and he's paid a great price. 
So once again, the scripture says, looking unto Jesus. Amen. Looking unto Jesus. It's saying, let Jesus be each and every one of our focus. Amen. Because when we take our focus off of Jesus, we start magnifying other things. And the scripture says that we are making other things idols. Right. And when you make idols of other things, that's allowing the enemy to come into your life. And wreak havoc into your life. Take your peace. Take your joy. Make you tired. Make you frustrated. Make you anxious. That's his whole goal. Is to take the place of Jesus. He don't like you giving attention to Jesus. He don't like your relationship with Jesus. He wants to. As, as he did before. He wants to sit in the throne of heaven. He wants to be God. He wants to be exalted. Because. He decides that he's God other than God. Looking unto Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Why do we feel fretful? Why do we feel afraid when Jesus, he began our, our faith walk and he's going to finish our faith walk, our faith walk. So we can trust in him because he's the author and he's also the finisher. And he will complete us even to his day of redemption. He would do that because we are his workmanship. Amen. We are his masterpiece. And we're created to do good works. We're not created to miss the mark. We're not created to commit acts of adultery. We're not created to commit uh, acts of lying, cheating, fighting, works of the flesh. Any person like that, 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 says, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But God has called us to every good work. Have you ever come across people to where they're trying to live two lives? They haven't really made up their mind whether they want to live for God and they're out there in the world and they'll, they'll sometimes make it to church on Sunday or they'll, they'll, they'll make it to church on Christmas or whatever. See, because they haven't fully made up their mind. They haven't. They haven't looked unto Jesus. Psalms 141 and 8 says, fix your eyes upon the Lord. Trust in him. Fix our eyes. Fix our focus, our gaze. Let it be on the Lord for him and him only. And if our light, if our eyes be single, our bodies, our temples will be full of light. Because Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. And there is no darkness in him. So when we cooperate with Jesus, when we cooperate with the light of the world, darkness has to it has to flee. It has to go. It can't occupy the same thing. Two, two, two kingdoms cannot occupy the same space. One is going to override and the kingdom of God is going to over, override the kingdom of darkness. And if we're operating, if we're cooperating with the kingdom of God, that is our victory. It's not trying to live into the kingdom of darkness and acting or pretending like 
we, we believe in the kingdom of God. We believe in this resurrected Messiah. We believe in a God that, that uh, took back his life and is resurrected and is, is living. It's on the right hand of God. It's not, it's not for pretend. It has become real in our, in our mind and in our heart. He's the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. How did Jesus endure the cross? How did he have joy? The joy was set before him. He had that hopeful expectation working in his life because he knew his purpose. Amen. He knew when he came to earth, he had to deliver us. He had to nail our sins to the rugged cross. He had to do it because there was no other way. He had to do it. And it pleased the father to bruise him. Amen. But for the joy, when he was carrying that cross, it wasn't joyful. But that joy was driving him. It was moving him toward that goal. So every time I see Jesus and what he went through, it motivates me. No, I don't want any cross or anything like that. But the little trials, the little afflictions that I go through, they were nothing compared to what Jesus went through. Amen. And if I got the greater one working in me, I know that there's nothing that I can't overcome. There's nothing that we cannot overcome because we have the greater one in us who's greater than the whole entire world working in us. And we have the power of the anointing, the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God working and operating in our life. And then we have our head covered our mind covered with joy because with Jesus, there's always hope. You're never, you're never without with Jesus because he is the good shepherd. Amen. He says that he's the author and he's the finisher of our faith, meaning that he's responsible. He said he was going to keep us. Amen. He said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Then why are we worried? Why are we fearful? Why do we have all these fears? Huh? When the Lord of creation, who has the preeminence of all things, has been our redeemer, has been our Lord. We shall not be anxious for anything. But he had joy. And I'm telling you, uh, believers tonight, that there's not one day we shouldn't be without joy because Jesus paid too great of a price. He paid too great of a price for us to have that joy. That joy that keeps us moving forward every day because every day we live, every day that we move forward, we're getting close to the day where we're going to see him face to face. And he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Because you have been faithful. You haven't been here trying to live two lives. You haven't been here perpetrating a fraud. You know, knowing you, you sexing it up with, with, with three or four women or, or things of that nature. Falling short and then, and then pretending that you're righteous. No, God has declared you righteous for a purpose so that you can have good works. Amen? Man, that you can be a sweet, savory aroma to him. 
Now, every time he sees you, it like, it's just like amazing. Amen? And it's not that you're ever foul or anything like that, because once again, he, is, he has washed us as white as snow. He has created us to have good works, and that's what he, he came to do. He came to be our redeemer. He invested all of heaven for you. He invested all of heaven for me to be a substitution, amen, for our shortcomings. So he doesn't want you magnifying your shortcomings. He was already aware of that, amen? He wanted to set us free from ever even thinking. How do I know that? Next part. Let me have that. I'm sorry. I'm not done with that, beloved. How do I know that? It says, despising the shame. Now, yes, Christ, he felt shame when he was carrying that cross. But he was also despising the shame that sin had was doing to people. Shame. Shame can make you feel guilty. It can make you feel condemned. It can make you feel worthless. It, it can make you feel like you'll never amount to anything. How many people are out there and they're just pretty much destroyed by shame? When we have a, a savior and a deliverer that came to destroy it, he despised it. And he looked forward to that day. That was his motivation is to completely destroy sin. And that's what it did because it's the power of God. Nothing can supersede or override the power of God. Beloveds, he is the maker of heaven and, and the earth, not the other way around. Nothing could supersede the power of our Lord. And is the power of our salvation, the cross. So he despised the shame. He, is, he despises the very thought that you would think of yourself as not worthy when he paid such a great price for us. He paid it. He did it all. That's why he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. And he is seated at the right hand of God. Amen. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us, let us exalt his name together. We are to magnify the Lord. And when we magnify the Lord, our righteousness is coming forth from us. We don't want to magnify each other's sins, do we? Does the scripture say magnify each other's sins? It says what? Magnify the Lord. You think it's a good idea to magnify each other's sins, to magnify your sins? Is that a good idea? If it was, the scripture would say that, but it doesn't, right? And in Psalms 34, it says, oh, magnify the Lord. And let us exalt his name together. Exalt his name. We're not created here to be exalting. I'm not here to create, you know, to exalt my sin, to exalt your sin. I'm not created to meditate on your sin. You meditate on my sin, my shortcomings, whether I dress good or not. Not created to do that. I'm not going to magnify anything like that. 
because the scriptures specifically tell us to magnify, to meditate on the, on the word day and night so that we can have great success. Because in the word of God, there's success for our life. Amen. Because he wants us to have the abundant life and have it more abundantly. Um, and also what we magnify, what we meditate on, we're going to continue to manifest. That's why Pastor Tom has been working hard to change the consciousness in our thinking to righteousness consciousness, which Jesus made us the righteousness of God. Amen. It's not made up. It's in the word. Second Corinthians five and 17. We have his righteousness. We are in right standing. We are in right alignment with God almighty. We've been absolved. We've been justified. We've been set free. We've been, we are the redeemed of the Lord. Amen. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. Let the Lord, the redeemed of the Lord speak life. Let the redeemed of the Lord speak truth. Let the redeemed of the Lord declare the kingdom of heaven in the earth. Amen. Because we are the redeemed of the Lord. So we're not created to do, you know, I want to magnify uh, something that Jesus paid for. Took care of it on the cross a long time ago. Now I want I want to I want to get delivered from that. I want to walk in victory. I want to walk with uh, the works of the devil under my feet. Amen. Because that's what He's given us. He's given us victory to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Hallelujah! And with boldness. But whatever we meditate on, whatever we magnify, it will create a manifestation. That's why the scripture says that if the, if the, if the eye be single, the body will be full of light. I want to be full of light. I am full of light. I'm a light being. You are full of light. You are a light being. Darkness has no, no part. It has no place in you and I. Amen. The kingdom, the kingdom of darkness cannot rule and, and, and reign in your domain. Um, we have an example of uh, mag magnification or manifestation in the word of God. If you go to Genesis 30 and 37, the Bible is so vast, isn't it? I was like, it just makes you think like, man, who else but God can orchestrate such an amazing book? It's got many authors. It's, it's written over thousands of years. And uh, so much truth, so much revelation in the word of God. So in the book of Genesis um, 30 and 37, in this story, you're dealing with uh, Jacob. And Jacob is the seed of Abraham. Amen. And soon Jacob became Israel. Jacob was also responsible for the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob was also responsible for wrestling with an angel till his thigh was thrown out of place. With great determination, he would not let go of the angel until the angel blessed him. But little did Jacob know that he was already blessed because God had put the blessing on Abraham, his grandfather. So Jacob was the grandson 
of Abraham. He was the son of Isaac. Amen. Isaac had Isaac had uh, two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael is largely known as like the Arabian people. And many scholars point to uh, Ishmael as being like a father to the Islamic uh, beliefs and to the Arab nations. But God's covenant was with Isaac. He was the promised son. God had made that promise to Isaac before Isaac was born, before Isaac was born, before Ishmael was born. Amen. It was nothing personal. It's just what God had said. My promise is with Isaac. When Sarah was barren in her womb, well stricken in age, she couldn't believe she could have a child. Abraham didn't believe that he could have a child. But God made an appearance to them and told them the word of the Lord that they were going to have a child. And he was going to be the son of promise. Long, 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 long time ago. Amen. And out of that seed, that's why we have Israel today. Because of Jacob. The angel blessed Jacob and called his name Israel. Amen. Which is a city founded in peace. That's Israel. But here in, in the 30th chapter, uh, verse around 30, 37, uh, Jacob gets in the bind because he's looking for a wife. How many of you get in the bind looking for a wife or looking for a husband? <laughs> looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love. <laughs> Gets a lot of people in trouble. I'm not making fun, but I've seen it. I've lived it. I've been in trouble before doing, doing things, right? But that's basically what the story is, and this is how joke, uh, Jacob, he gets caught up. He gets involved, and this man is family. The, guy na the guy's name is Laban. He's, he's family. He's like Sarah's brother. So that's his grandmother's brother. Like his, it's like his great uncle. So he's like upset with Laban because he feels that Laban is an unjust man because he changes his weight, his wages. He goes back on his word many times. The, the scripture says he changed his mind. He changed Jacob's wages 10 times because Jacob wanted to work for Laban to possess one of his daughters. And they made an agreement. But Jacob, how many of y'all know Jacob switched it up? He changed. He went back on his word. Okay. But I'm not, I'm not going, my point is tonight is not whether Jacob was wrong, whether Laban was wrong, whether uh, Jacob was manipulative in what he did. My point is to show you in scripture that he came up with a, an idea. And this idea caused him to prosper, even though he was being taken advantage of, uh, taken advantage of it. And we can agree with this, okay? So Genesis 30. And 37. And this is dealing with cattle and livestock, right? Because that's what they dealt with back in those days. We deal with cars, automobiles, Ubers, uh, Teslas, and stuff like that, trucks, electric cars, right? They used to, they dealt with cattle. You guys know that. All right. 
And verse 37, and Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of the hazel and chestnut tree and peeled white strakes in them and made the white appear. Uh, and this was the rod. Okay, so that sounds real strange. So this is what they're doing. In this land, Jacob is taking care of uh, Laban's uh, livestock, his land, and everything. And Jacob had went to Laban. He told him, man, I'm, I'm not happy with the way you've been treating me and how you've been paying me and all that kind of thing. So they had like a disagreement. So he's finally saying, hey, and Jacob, is, I mean, Laban is saying, well, what do you want me to do to make this thing right? He says, I want my share of cattle and I can take I can take my wives and we can go on and and start. Uh, we can start all over, you know, without you, without working for you or whatever. So what he agrees upon, he says, he says, OK, he says, he says, what do you want? Laban says, what do you want? And he says, I'll take all the cattle that has spots and speckles on them. OK, and it also calls them ring strakes. All right, so they got little spots and speckles. You guys seen dogs with spots and speckles on them, right? So these cattle, evidently, they have spots, spots and speckles on them. So Jacob says, I want those. The other ones that don't have them, you can have them. All right, they're yours. All right. So what Jacob devises in his mind is he wants all the cattle. He's going to take all the cattle because he's going to get even with Jacob, with Laban. All right. Once again, starting at 37. And Jacob took him rods of green poplar and the hazel and chestnuts and peeled white strakes in them and made the white appear uh, in the rods. And he set the rods which he had peeled before the flocks in the in the gutters in the watering troughs. When the flocks came to drink that they should uh, conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ring straight, speckled, and spotted. Okay, so he put polka dots on the cattle that didn't have any cattle. And when the cattle came to drink in the water, they saw the spots on their face. And he also put it, he placed it in the water. So they were looking at the image when they were drinking. Did this over time, but this is what the Bible says. And they conceived cattle with spots. You, any of you guys ever read that? Okay. So they're magnifying, they're seeing an image before their, their eyes. And they're manifesting, they're reproducing what they see in their eyes. That's why it's important for us to be careful what we put before our eyes. And that's why the scripture warns us over and over again. Lift up ye gates, ye age abiding doors, and be lifted up forever so that the king of glory can come in. Amen. Because your eyes are the gateway to your soul. Your ears are your gateways to your soul. What you hear. We know what, you know, um, what we hear by faith. Faith comes by hearing. 
Amen. And what we speak, what we confess, those are gateways. So we lift up our gates to God and God comes in. God manifests himself in us. So if we're uh, lifting up our eyes to something else that's not of God, guess what? It's going to have a habitation. It's going to come in and you're not going to be manifesting the king of glory. All right. So verse 40, and Jacob did separate the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the ring straight and all the brown and the flocks of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves and put them not unto Laban's cattle. And it came to pass uh, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive that Jacob had the rods before their eyes of the cattle and in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly, that's verse 43, and had much cattle and maid servants and men servants and camels and asses, verse uh, chapter 31. And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and that which was of our father's hath he gotten all the glory. So he created an opportunity. He created multiplication. He was the seed of Abraham. They had a problem there on a ranch. And this is what he did to overcome. All right. So my point is, is that what we put before our eyes will manifest. So we have to guard our eyes. We have to guard our heart. Amen. With all diligence. Because we want to be temples of glory. I want to manifest God's glory in this day and hour. I don't want to manifest garbage. I don't want to ma manifest junk. I want to manifest God's glory and be useful for every good work. Amen? Amen. Let us go to uh, John 19 and 30. John 19 and 30. Again, Jesus enduring the cross. Despising the shame that it brought despising the shame that sin would try to come up on you, the body of Christ. Jesus on the cross. So when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar and the wine, excuse me, the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head 
and gave up the ghost. If uh, Cody can put that back up, that word, it is finished. So that marks what Jesus was here to do, to finish the cross, uh, finish the works on the cross for our salvation, to provide our eternal redemption forevermore, never to be erased, to make a mark in the earth, never ever to be re uh, replaced. So that word is a Greek word, and that means um, it is finished. It is done. And we have to see ourselves as a, as a finished work, as, as God's masterpiece, as God's workmanship. We have so much value in his eyes. Amen? Uh, Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So, he came to die so that we may live. Amen? The Bible makes it clear that the wages of sin is death. It's nothing to flirt at. It's nothing to, to guess at, to second guess at, to play with. Because it's going to bring destruction to someone who's involved with sin. Adultery, fornication, lying, it all leads down a road that when you start down that path, it's hard to turn. So you best off not to even go down that path. Amen? Enjoy your life in the kingdom. Enjoy your life that God has paid for you. I was quickened by a, a man uh, he was in the NFL, and uh, he was married, and he was in an adulterous relationship. And one day the lady flipped, and he never woke up the night that they went to bed. She took his life, you know, because when you're involved with, with things like that, with, with people and relationships, you don't know how that person is going to respond when you want to pull back out or when you want to go back to your wife or when you want to go back on with your life. You know what I mean? Because the scripture is clear. It says the wages of sin is death. When we're involved, when we're inv or, or when one is involved in that type of, in type of act, you're hurting. You're hurting others. You're hurting yourself. Amen. So it's, it's, not, it's not good. So the gift of life is eternal life with Jesus Christ. So when we live in a righteous life, Amen. There's a peace that passes all understanding when we live righteous. Amen. Because out of righteousness, out of right alignment with God, being in God's presence, seeking God's heart, seeking God's will, you're not going to you're really not going to want to mess up. If you do mess up, it was it was it was not intentional. Amen. Your your flesh overwhelmed you or whatever. You got you got angry in a second, but when, you, when a person is seeking God uh, with his whole heart, his whole, whole mind and strength, it's never intentional. 
All right. Um, so the wages of sin is death. And nothing, com nothing good ever comes from that. But so much good works come from living a godly life, living for the Lord, getting involved in his work, getting people saved, getting people healed, getting people born again, telling them that they're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that's what he did. Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Let's look at what he did. Okay, so 17, it starts out, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That includes woman, right? So I can say, if any man or woman, right? Amen. The woman is included. Amen. Women, you're not excluded tonight, but you're included. Amen. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Another interpretation says that you are a species of being that has never existed before. Wow. Created to do good works. There's going to be so many good works manifested in the earth. That never been, they have never been seen before. That's why you and I, we're a species of beings that never existed before. Never existed before. So God says, behold, I do a new thing in the earth. God is always up to something. He's always up to something new, doing something different that's going to bring good things into our life because that's what he's about. He's not about bringing bad things into our life. I had that mentality for a long time that we're going to get it from God. Judgment's going to come down from God. Amen. And that's the wrong thinking. He poured out judgment. On the cross of Calvary, he poured all the wrath on Jesus Christ, all of our sins. It wasn't God's sins. Many people think that way. God was just mad. He just wanted to show off and do something mean. No, God did not. He had to be a substitution for our shortcoming. And if you ever doubt, if you ever doubt the evilness that can be done in man, it's, it's all on the cross. Our evil, our debauchery was, was all there that, that did that to Jesus Christ. He had to take it all and remove it forever and ever. Old things are passed away. Amen. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. He settled our differences. He made peace with us. Amen. That's what reconcile. Many people who count money, they that's what they're doing. They're reconciling, right, Mary? They're they're finding what's there and then what's not there. Okay? And so when Jesus when God reconciled us, he said, Man, you're all there. You've been made whole. You're a new creature. Now you got a ministry of reconciliation. 
Amen. Now you can reconcile others. You can help settle uh, differences in other people now. You got a ministry of reconciliation. I'm a minister of reconciliation. I'm a minister of restoral. I'm a minister of revival. You're a minister of revival. A lot of people know Billy Graham, right? But they don't know the minister that taught Billy Graham, do they? Come on now. A lot of people know Billy Graham. But where did Billy Graham sit when he was a youth? Anybody know that, Pastor? A lot of people know Smith Wigglesworth. But who inspired Smith? It was his wife. How many people know her? Don't hear her name. Right? But yet she was responsible for lighting his fire. That gentleman was responsible for doing something. And that's why scripture says that we walk by faith, not by sight. You're not going to always see everything with your eyes or know everything or understand everything. But what, we, what do we have to do, saints of God? We have to look unto Jesus, right? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay in fellowship with Jesus because he's the light of the world. And if he's your light, you'll never have darkness. You'll never suffer from depression. That's why people, they look at and they marvel at us. It's like, how could, what, why do they love Jesus so much? I mean, he, was, he lived 2,000 years ago. What is the big deal? You know, because he's present. He's like in us. In us, he, he lives. In us, he moves. In us, he has his being. He's in us. He's in me. Matter of fact, anybody with pain in their body, I want you to stand up. If you got pain in your body, stand up. I'm going to declare the goodness of God in your body. Amen. Two people? Okay. Brothers and sisters, in the mighty name of Jesus, by the goodness of God, I declare healing from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Be healed. Pain be, be gone. Pain go. Pain leave. Pain leave. In Jesus' name, our Lord paid too big of a price for us to live subpar or, or below his standard. Complete healing, we declare over you tonight. Complete healing, it belongs to you. Wholeness and health belongs to you. A peace that passes all understanding belongs to every blood-bought Sister and brother in the Lord, he paid too great of a price. He endured the cross. He endured to bring us this joy. Isn't that amazing? He was able to endure stumbling and stammering because he had to do it. He knew he had to do it. He knew he had to redeem us because there, no there was no other one worthy. There was no other one that could do it. But our faithful Savior did it. No more bad days, we do declare in Jesus' name. Every day will be gooder and gooder. Amen? Gooder and gooder. Amen. We're not selling. We're not selling for less any, anymore. We're putting our feet down, and we're, we're going we're gonna to stand on the authority of God and God's word, which has integrity. It does not fail. 
God does not fail. He doesn't fail. You may have an opinion of me as being a failure, but my God does not fail. You hear what I'm saying? He doesn't. I'm saved. I'm, I'm born again. I'm sanctified. I got eternal life. You have eternal life. Amen. That's good news. That's been good news to me since I was a little boy. I'm like, man, eternal life. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Awesome. We live forever and ever and forever. We'll glorify him. Amen. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we praise you. We give you all the glory, Lord God. We thank you for your eternal redemption, Lord God, and bringing us back into oneness with you. Hallelujah. Forever and ever. And you shall reign forever, Lord God, and we will be your vice gerents here on this earth, Lord God, ruling and reigning forever. Lord God, we just love you. And we're just amazed by you tonight, Lord God. We thank you for all the wonderful things that you are doing, you will do. And because you're just God like that, we bless your name now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. things shall be added on